Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And now, a different perspective. Lisa Wexler talks with activist Wayne Winston now on Southern Connecticut's news and information leader, WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. You know, Wayne, I feel like there's a lot to talk about and a lot to catch up on. But I will say that in the wake of uh, so many different stories recently, not just about police, but about private people shooting people in a turnaround on a driveway, shooting people when they're walking up a walk. Yes. Uh, this other one with um, Ricky Chow. This yes. was South Carolina. This one broke my heart this morning. He thought somebody took a water bottle from his gas station. He shot him in the back. He killed the kid. 14-year-old boy killed. Man. You know, it's... Um, well, and this is not police. These are people no. that are taking the law into their own hands That's and right. feeling like they can shoot people because they feel like they can because they have a gun. I think that's really what the problem is now. It's like um, people are acting out on things that normally you try to reach out to law enforcement at the very least. Exactly. But it's like, okay, you're wronging me. I can deal with this right now. So it was like four water bottles they thought he, he stole. He owns a store. Um, the young man runs out the store, and he's running back towards where he lives. And um, the son runs out with the father and the son says hey i see a gun uh and so the father has a gun and shoots him in the back and kills him now, shoots him in owner. the back as he's running this away is a store owner and he's <laughs> literally running away toward the housing units that he lives at and so he kills him and and the kid's dead i mean for water bottles i mean was it really that necessary to go out there for like $4 worth of water bottles. And what's going on in people's heads, you had the two young ladies who were also shot because they got into the wrong car. You know, uh, in fact, um, they're doing a show on that. Um, GMA uh, with, with Michael Strayhorn um, is doing a, a piece on that on Friday. And, um, you know, just getting the wrong car by accident. And, you know, pulls out a gun and just starts shooting him. And it's... We're just in a place where we just are so emotionally 
corrupt to some degree. This is what I call it, an emotional corruption, because you're not using any moral compass. Any thought process like that would make you say, what am I doing? You're not defending anybody's right to live. You're not in fear of your own life. Nope. So I just want to summarize before we get to these stories. I just wanted to talk about that there was a big bill passed here in Connecticut, Connecticut mm. House gun restrictions. Uh, it's a new bill. It would add new restrictions to gun ownership. It's HB six 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 seven. It would increase fines and criminal punishments for violation of existing gun laws. And this was proposed by the governor. So presumably, if it gets passed by the Senate, he's going to sign it. It expands the assault rifle ban. It expands the existing ghost gun ban, requiring owners to engrave any such gun assembled before the pre-existing ban went into effect pre-2019. A new statewide ban on open carry, except in property that you own or rent. Now, that's significant because Mm -hmm. there was a counter bill that wanted to expand the right to carry in state parks. Yes. This bill that was passed said, no way, not happening. A tightened ban on large capacity magazines and the age to purchase a long gun will be increased from 18 to 21. Handgun purchases limited to one per month. And it expands the offenses that disqualify a person from owning a gun to include misdemeanor family violence or being a fugitive. And the reason that's key is because family violence very often is in the category of misdemeanor. But we know that when somebody's been convicted of any kind of domestic violence and they have yes. a gun, it's very dangerous for the other partner, typically a woman. Um, also, uh, educational requirements have been created, including instruction and in live fire training. Manufacturers will be required to include a loaded chamber indicator on handguns. So in other words, I guess if you own a handgun, it will have some kind of signal to tell you whether or not the chamber is loaded with live bullets. You'd think they already have that. that. Be, yes, but that's makes sense. yeah. And requires dealers to give trigger locks or a written warning to all gun buyers. So it would be nice if it just had trigger locks, but I guess it was a concession that it would be a written warning if it doesn't have a trigger lock. Okay, I don't see the fingerprinting here yet. I don't see the uh, thing that I wanted to see with uh, phones. Mm. I I don't understand why we can do it for an iPhone and we can't (laughs) do it for a gun, that only the person who owns the gun, should be able to shoot the gun. I don't understand why we don't have that yet. But okay. But anyway, this has not been passed into law, but it has been passed in the House. So that's what we're doing in Connecticut. I wanted to talk with you about something. And maybe, Wayne, you may be the person who sent this to me. And then we did the deep dive. So Virginia Tech, Eugenia Rowe, an assistant professor at of computer science at Virginia Tech, did this very big uh, deep dive study and found out that the first 45 words between an officer in a vehicle stop and a driver, specifically a black driver, can determine the outcome as to whether or not there'll be an escalation Mm -hmm. into an arrest or a de-escalation into just driving on. The first 45 words. And what she found out was that specifically with black drivers, if they were told, if they were commanded something, that it had a predisposition to end badly, 
But if they were explained the reason for the stop and they were spoken to in a different tone without an order, that it had a more likelihood of being de-escalated. Is that a fair summary, Wayne? Absolutely. I think people show their intent by how they communicate with you. If you're interested in just, listen, uh, I'm pulling you over because of X. It was you drove too fast, you went to a stop sign, whatever that was. And you're doing it in a manner that you would expect from a, a servant of the community. Because remember, policemen are serv- oh, excuse me, servants of the community. It's not uh, the military. They're not, you know, uh, staking you out, you know, for the next takedown. There's a lot of militarization mindset, though, when it comes to black men in particular. So when you talk to, to them, to us, you're dealing with it different than if it was a white guy in any community because psychologically you just see him different. So that's why it comes out in a different uh, tone. Um, the, the part that I wanted to read from this says on, on our second page, yep. at the bottom, we found that there's a key difference in how officers talk to black drivers during the first moments of stops that end in arrest, handcuffing, or search versus those that don't end in such outcomes, says Roe, who leads the society in language uh, lab. Simply put, the officer starts off with a command rather than a reason and escalated stops. Connecticut just passed a law that now, literally within the last month, that when a policeman pulls you over, he has to say, I pulled you over because of this given thing. Oh, and that's then it's right. Recorded. We talked about that. Yes. That they have to tell you the reason. And I said to you, well, wouldn't it be obvious when they always want to tell you the reason? And apparently it's not. It's not. And that's why that was huge for us. And I want to give um, our new Senator Gaston here, who sponsored that bill from Bridgeport, um, Heron Gaston, he has a church here. He's also obviously a senator and a pastor. This is huge, and it should be a national thing because that's where the problem starts. I mean, look, I police officers are, are like anyone else. I mean, whatever issues or prejudices, if it's against women, if it's against gays, it's going to have an impact on how they do their job. Being able to separate that is what the, the deal is. And it doesn't mean, obviously, every officer. So when you have the disclaimer, you know, this doesn't mean every officer. Of course not. You know, there's medical malpractice, even though every doctor is not a terrible doctor, but you have it because some are. In law enforcement, there's some people that just have issues with black men, and it comes that way. So that's why we are arrested more in a normal traffic stop. They just let somebody have um, a warning, and they move on, or to get a ticket, they're looking for more. Those particular types of officers are what we recognize and go, okay, this is how he's coming. He's looking for something. And he may find something or he may not, but that's the mindset that he's in. So this was interesting. The other piece of it. So the first part was the key difference in how officers spoke to black drivers. But the second was a specific other study. They discovered that black men could often predict the outcome of a stop simply by listening to those initial 45 words, which lasted less than 30 seconds. So the first thing they did is they had the computer model Mm -hmm. in which they realized that they could extract data and come up with their predictive outcome. 
right? Depending yes. upon whether they were told to do something or explained the reason and, and spoken in a different tone. But the second piece was when they asked black men, not a computer, and they found that the black men, based on those first 45 seconds, were able to accurately as a whole predict whether or not there would be escalation. So in other words, black men know this already. We, they didn't need a computer to tell them. Well, we've been having the talk since we were teenagers. You know, when law enforcement pulls you over, you keep your hands on the wheel. You don't make any sudden movements because that can be seen or interpreted as a threat. Um, when you are don't you know, answer in a, a manner that is respectful, obviously that's what you would expect, and you do not question the police. You don't do it. And if you do... In many cases, that same psychology that we're talking about means you're challenging his power because that's a power that a law officer, enforcement officer has. And if he's more interested in you being disrespectful to him than holding up what he's supposed to do as a law enforcement officer, then you have a problem. And it's not even about whether he was combative. I mean, I've had friends and know people who argued with policemen. I'm sitting there going like, man... (laughs) Please be quiet. <laughs> okay. So why, guy, please be quiet because if something happens, it's not going to be you. It's going to be me. My husband. So we came through the, this really, Bill, Bill is a person who will challenge authority and it never, it doesn't go, it doesn't go well. So we were coming through um, airport security. We were coming through immigration, immigration, mm. not TSA, immigration. And they asked Bill if he has something to declare, and because my husband is compulsively honest and bought me a beautiful watch, he said, yes, I bought my wife a watch, and I'm declaring the watch. And they said, give me your passport. I wasn't with him. We were on different lines. Give me your passport. And Bill is like, I've never given up my passport before. Um, I have people ask for my passport, but then they give it back to me. I don't understand. Why am I giving up my passport? Are you challenging us? Are you giving us a hard time? There you go. Right away. And they and they basically call for backup, like right away. And he's like, I just, I've never given up my passport before. Why am I being asked to give up my passport? And, and again, they didn't give a reason. Mm-hmm. They didn't say, well, we've changed the procedure, which they apparently had since the last time we went through immigration, because they never did used to ask you for your passport before, mm-hmm. right, in the airport. And then they would give it back after you paid the customs duty. That's a new thing. And I know because I used to work at TWA. They never used to do it before. And we've traveled many times. But now that's the way they do it. But instead of talking to him civilly mm-hmm. and saying, Mr. Wexler, we do it differently now. You're going to get it back afterwards. It was right away. Are you challenging us? And right away. And I'm, and I'm like, Bill. I'm like, Bill. I can see he's having the conversation with them, and it's going on too long. And I'm getting nervous. Sure, sure, sure. And, you know, that problem is just so tragic. And I wish there was a way to reward the good officers. I mean, I, I'm I, literally, I think I wish there was a structure because the people that are within the ranks um, that are like that are, are people that even the law enforcement officers know. So if you're in law enforcement, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're officers who should not be having a badge or taking care of any of that. However, between, uh, you know, unions and the blue wall, I mean, you got to have your backup, you know. I mean, I, I get it. But a law enforcement officer is the primary connection that we have to be protected in our communities. And how many times have people called this 11-year-old boy who wound up calling the police? Oh, did you see that? Yes. He called 911 and he was shot by the police when he was on the phone with them. 
black and the boy. Mother, Did you see that just a couple of domestic days ago? Violence. His mom, domestic violence. She winds up getting the case. phone to him, tells him to call, oh. and the police come, and they shoot him. They and he's shoot like, the boy. He comes out the back. They're like, oh, we thought he was a grown man. He's an 11-year-old kid. So these are the kind of things in the black community. So we're not making these up statistically. Look, these stories... And obviously there's exceptions to the rules, but the majority have to do with that. There's something when it comes to dealing with black men in particular that there's a psychology that we have to be controlled, that we're a threat. And um, if you're not scared for your life, uh, clearly there's some control that has to happen. And we're just they're just not going to accept from us an argument. So, And we saw that tragically not too long ago that black police officers, this was in Tennessee, yes. felt the same way towards black people on their streets. Yes. When you get to that power over a person, it is absolute power corrupts absolutely. And it is something that just happens to a person, takes them over to study um, that they did at its university. God, I can't think of it now. Um these college kids, college kids, they brought them in in, in, uh, in California, as a matter of fact, and they had one group that they made like the the uh, like the COs, and they had another one they're just bringing in to the jails. And um, oh, the it was, correction it was, officers, and, and it was fake. It was it happened on the dorm. Yeah, and but it's a, movie a role about playing, it too. right? I'm gonna get it for you. I got. I remind you of the movie. After about the third or fourth day. It got so tense in there after like two months, they had to cancel it because these people started living out. Yeah, the empathy the co- goes away. Wayne Winston and I are talking about a recent study that was done at um, Virginia Tech by uh, Eugenia Rao, Eugenia Rowe, R-H-O, an assistant professor in the Department of Computer Science. And one of the things that she said was, there is a clear linguistic signature to escalated vehicle stops. We're talking about stops of police officers to drivers. It was discerned by trained coders, computational language models, and perhaps most importantly by black male citizens. The team focused on black drivers due to their disproportionate representation in the data. Rowe explained that less than 1% of the escalated stops in their sample involved not black drivers. While both male and female drivers were included, the majority of escalated stops involved male drivers. Mm-hmm. And we limited the study, she said, to black drivers because less than 1% of the escalated stops even included non-black drivers in our sample, and um, which I find really interesting, right? So basically it's saying that black men are stopped, black people, but specifically black men are stopped, I guess, more often than white people that are stopped, at least in this sample. Uh, And then what she did was she, uh, in the second study, the researchers played audio recordings of the traffic stops to a nationally representative sample of 188 black male U.S. citizens who varied in age, region, education, and political ideology. The participants listened to 10 stops at random, five of which resulted in escalation and five that didn't. They were asked to assume the role of the driver and then surveyed about their own predictions regarding the outcome of the stop. The findings indicated that black male participants used the language used by the officer as a guide to predict whether the stop would end with handcuffing, searching, or arrest. They predicted that 84% of stops involving orders without reasons Mm -hmm. would escalate. 
Moreover, they expressed concerns about the use of force in over 80% of stops involving orders without reasons, compared to only 40% of stops with reasons but no orders. So what you're saying about this new Connecticut law that requires police officers to give reasons is so critical because if they stop a black male driver, which maybe they stop disproportionately more than any other community member, and they start with a reason in the black male driver's head, it's less likely to lead to escalation, which makes the tone of the entire interaction less likely to lead to escalation. Well, that's the thing. We can't control the tone. No. So that's why no. if the officer has to say um, why he stopped, yes. you, then that automatically creates a whole other environment. Even I, I think it works for both sides. I think it works for the officer you know, who is hopefully doing it for the right reason. And then on the other side, you know, it becomes that whole respect factor that we talk about. You know, I'll tell you something, Wayne, and we may have discussed this on the air before, but I want to repeat it anyway, because it was traumatic for me. I was stopped, Bill was driving, and it was many years ago on the Taconic, and we were stopped by a police officer. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you it was traumatic because he yelled so much at us. Yes. I mean, he screamed. He screamed. He was out of his mind screaming. And he didn't give us a reason. You Mm -hmm. could assume it was speeding, but we didn't think we were speeding. So we made the mistake of saying, why are you stopping us? Oh, my God. You would think that we had asked that the world was coming down. He went berserk. Don't ask me. Pull over, screaming. Why? Why? Yes. It was so ugly. And it really really made me shake. I I was frightened. He was out of control. One isolated thing doesn't mean all sure. police officers are that way, but it was it was just like a reel in a movie in my brain. But that's the thing. It's like for some reason people think that you know we can't be tra- traumatized. You know, man, black man, you can't be traumatized. I mean, come on, look at your environment. There's violence all around. I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood that was mixed. You know, um, housing projects, a home, and so on. But when you have a a soul, when you have a just any type of, of, of positivity about yourself, of course you're going to be traumatized. Of course it creates an issue in the community because when you talk to another black man, he'll tell you the exact same thing happened and how they're being dealt with. There is a control issue. Certain officers. Do you ask police officers why you're being stopped or is part of the talk to not ask? The first thing, when I, first when they stop me, you know, um, I'll... Make sure my hands are on the wheel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, man, it's like, and that's how how many videos have people shot? And they said, well, well, you told me to get my license. Boom. You know, well, you told me to get, you know, my registration. Bang. You know, I mean, that's real. And you don't know when that's going to be. So, yes, my hands are on the wheel. And I'm waiting to hear what he says. Okay. So, um in fact, last up, this is, you know, some years ago, fortunately I don't get stopped that, that, that much, but um, it was, uh, I put my hands on the wheel, I wait for him to come to the car, he's looking through the car, it's uh, d- dusk, and um, he says, uh, license registration, and I go, okay, and I'm grabbing it, and I'm saying, and I'm saying in my head, okay, um, boy, did, 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 did I do something wrong? He just says, license registration. Okay, well, let me just give him the license and registration, 
And I hand it to him, and he stares at me, and he's looking around in the car, and I'm like, okay. Why was I stopped, right? Yeah, so then I'm going like, I don't want to push this right here. Let yeah. me just let him do what he's going to do. And what did he do? Took the car, and he took the information back. You know, I don't have no warrants. You know, there's nothing, you know. All right, well, just be uh, careful next time. And I'm like. About what? Yeah, and I said, well, and I, you know what, Wayne? Just stop right now. Okay. okay. So you because didn't ask him. I don't need to. You don't need press to. Li- you right. want to get. And actually, NACP, they actually have training like that. Your your job, when you're pulled over by the police, because you don't know which policeman that you got, it's to minimize the potential of charges. Because they can make up anything. And once you write something down, that's the finger of God in court. And good luck trying to get a judge to question a police officer who, for whatever reason, didn't like something you said or didn't like being challenged. Oh, you're resisting arrest. Oh, you were being disrespectful. You, you, A black man cannot have an argument with a police officer, with, with small exception. Um, and I've seen it. Um, I've, I've been around people that happened that weren't people of color. The second when a black person that has, I mean, handcuffs automatically. Boom, you're going straight to jail right now. There's nothing else to talk about. There's no warrant. Let's go. So we know it's different. And we just do our best to just handle that right. And um, we try to even tell our young people, you know, always be respectful. Most are. But across the board, if you have a policeman who's looking for something, he can find something. And um, that's why I said it's great police officers. We're not talking about you. You guys know who we're talking about. I have friends for umpteen years, captains retired in New York and Pennsylvania, Connecticut. But there's not a lot that they can do with those, and we just have to deal with those people. Hey, by the way, since we're talking about police officers, I read a recent editorial piece in the Norwalk Hour, which is the Hearst publication, um, giving a thumbs up to Roderick Porter, the new uh, yes. police captain, yes. and basically saying that he was approaching his job. It, it sort of said cerebrally or thoughtfully or something like that. Yes. Uh, we we haven't met him yet. I'm dying to get to know him. Do you know him? Rob is a great guy. I've known him for many years. Is he? he is awesome. In fact, I saw him over the weekend. Uh, Maybe I, you can encourage him to join us on a Wednesday. Let him come in. I'd love to talk with him. Absolutely. Okay. And as we close out... Um, Unfortunately, Ron DeSantis is out to remove everything having to do with diversity and inclusion. He's made that part of his platform, and that's scary for us. And I'll discuss next week. I'm talking to older people who are in their 70s and 80s, and they're like, this is totally what we changed 50 years ago, 60 years ago. And it's like all of those things he's bringing back, and it's like the South will rise again. Literally, this is what an elderly gentleman told me, and that's a way to look at it because— this is not a good thing that's happening in America with the banning of the books and then specifically eliminating racism and diversity. Okay. But on the other hand, the live-action Little Mermaid, which has a black star and engendered a lot of controversy, has become a blockbuster. Yes, it has. Because thank God people like you are out there. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, I'm Lisa Wexler. We'll be back behind the mic tomorrow. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.